You know, while um, while the song was playing, the last one, that verse in Romans eight that says, "There is there is therefore now no condemnation." You know, came to my mind, and I felt I want to just share something on it. It says there, <clears throat> "There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus." Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now you know you can make that a theory, by saying, you know, I don't have to feel guilty anymore if I've done something wrong. Okay? But that is not what that verse means. It, it also includes the emotion of not feeling guilty when you've done something that you could not do by the law. What it says here is that the law didn't have the power to bring forth the life, to, to bring forth God's quality of life in us. The law didn't have that power. So the weakness was not in man, the weakness was in the law. <clears throat> because God knows that man is but dust. So the law didn't have the power to produce God's kind of life in us. And we were condemned to a life of destruction because of the flesh's inability to do the law in that rendering the law Powerless. So, we can actually say, indirectly, because of the weakness of the law, that the law doesn't possess the power to save us, and give us God's quality of life, we were condemned. There was condemnation for us. What was this condemnation? We were condemned to an eternal life of destruction. That's what the condemnation talks about here in Romans 8. Because Romans 8 follows Romans 7. Where Romans 7 says that that which I, when I was under the law, that which I wanted to do, I could not do. Who will save me from this condemnation? What condemnation? This condemnation that I forever will be, will, will be a slave of the flesh. Where I will forever have to have a, a life of guilt before God, a life of, what's plugs besef? I don't know what it is. Like this responsibility and all those kind of things between me and God not qualify because that responsibility teaching thing doesn't have the power to produce true joy in us. And now we condemn to this miserable life. Now there is no more condemnation. There's no more life of death. Now that life of death, you know, uh, has been taken away in this form that should I do something wrong? then I don't feel guilty about it because I'm not judged by the law. It's like somebody wrote to me and asked me, Bertie, you know, how can you say that somebody that just murdered a baby is innocent? He's not innocent. You know, he just murdered a baby. You see, if you use the law, the Ten Commandments, he's not innocent. But if you use God's law, God's principle, which is mercy... He's going to walk away free. (laughs) Because the law has changed. So there is an announcement of innocence for somebody who's actually guilty by the law of Moses. By the gospel. 
But there's a further power in the message of grace. And that is a deliverance from a life that is not God's quality of life. There's a deliverance. And our expectation is not on, on, on how hard and how powerful we must try and live to get a new life. That's not what it says. What it talks about there is that this message of mercy and grace sets us free from that life and brings forth eternal life manifesting in us by us simply believing in it. So if we walk off, not after the flesh, but after the spirit, so how do you walk after the spirit? We don't believe in the flesh anymore. We don't believe in the old way anymore. We've got the new way, believe in it, and it brings forth a new life. Hallelujah. I'm not condemned to a life where I, let's say I was a drug addict. I'm not condemned to a life where I say, well, I'm a drug addict and at least God's not angry with me, but I'm going to be addicted to drugs for the rest of my life. No, no, I've been set free from the condemnation of being enslaved to drugs. I'm not condemned because the law condemned us to a life of enslavement. No, no, we are set free. Now, the reason why I say that, you know, and I was even thinking, if I say this, it can easily be, be seen by people as you bring in the law. We must live right. Now, I'm not saying we must live right. I'm saying, believing this will set you free. It will set you free. It will set you free from always being depressed. It will set you free from always, uh, um, you know, fearing about financial income or whatever. You know, um, just when I walked out with Jana to the um, to a car because he said she she couldn't be here for the whole service. She's flying to Grahamstown or something. So um, I'm so blessed. I mean, she just came just to be here a bit, you know. And then, so um, I, I walked out, and when I w- walked back, I, you know, I was just I'm just feeling this peace in my heart, and um, and I was thinking, and I, I was just thinking of how God produced peace in every area of my life. And then I was thinking of healing, and I was thinking of finances, and I was thinking of all those things. And, and this is what came to my mind. The gospel allowed my heart to receive financial blessing. Because my heart could never allow it. My heart couldn't allow it. There was always this underlying thing of, it's not going to happen, it's not going to go through. And then I tried to believe it through. But then there came a time, and, and it, it can't be fate, you know. And even in the time when I was stressed out like that, God still cared for me. He still cared for me. But my heart allowed me. You know, in my heart, there's, there's no thing. I can be blessed. And there's a thing in my heart that the, the good will happen to me. Always. To the point that others will be jealous. That's the way it is. I can't help it. My heart's allowed me to receive that. And, and that's what the gospel has done. Because the law tells your heart you can't receive this. But grace tells your heart you can receive it. It is yours. And it effortlessly comes your way. Because of this gospel. Because God is pushing His... And, and, and forget just money and, and health and all those kind of things. He's just pushing quality of life towards you. Quality of life, you know, having joy in every area of life. He's just giving that towards you. And our hearts, belief is not for God. Belief is for us. You don't believe to activate God. No, I'm going to believe so that God can move. No, no, no. God has moved. Your heart needs to believe to receive. 
It's like somebody, like I said before, a stranger comes to you and says to you, listen man, I want to give you this packet of diamonds. He comes in the street. It's for free, it's yours. Are you going to take it? You don't know there's a police officer there. You don't know this is a setup. You don't know if he just stole it, shove it into your hand, and then you're going to get caught. You say, I don't want nothing to do with this. No, thank you. Especially if they come with that at a border post. No way. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not going to do that. Your heart will not allow you. Your heart will never allow you. But if your best friend comes and he gives you something, or your wife, or your son, or your daughter, your heart will allow you to receive it because you can trust the person. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel brings a heart that can trust who God is to receive from Him. That's it. So we, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm not condemned to a life of stress anymore. I'm not condemned to a life of fear anymore. Anymore. I'm not condemned to a life of destruction anymore. And I'm so little condemned to it that even should it happen in this world that according to the worldly standard, things don't work out for me, those things has got no power over me. For the scripture says, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Neither poverty, nor angels, nor demons, nothing can separate me. That does not mean that I cannot have it. I can have it. But the fact that I have it doesn't mean I'm the blessed. The fact that I don't have it doesn't mean that I'm the cursed. But I can have God's quality of life. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for that freedom. You know, when Adam sinned, it was not... Sometimes we think that sin was just this thing he did between him and God that upset God. No, we easily forgive people that upset us. But what happens was, Adam was in a system that condemned him unto destruction. Even if he, his, even by his willpower, he could not get out of it. And Jesus ended that system. Yeah. Glory to God. And now, we can walk according to the spirit of life. To the law of life in Christ. So there's a law that we live under. What is that law? That law is God's principle. What is God's principle? This is God's principle. If Jesus lives... You live. That's the law of life. <laughs> Amen. If God must judge you by His law, judge me by your law, O oh God. I'm going to be blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Right, let's get into the message for today. Isaiah 55. Oh my goodness. Isaiah 55. You know the verse in the Bible that says, His word will not return void. We're going to just explain that a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read from verse 6. It says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, um, and to do our God. Sorry, and he will have mercy upon him, and to do our God, for he will abundantly pardon. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, down and the snow from heaven, and returns not back, but waters the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread for the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace, and the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you in singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Okay, this is a wonderful piece of scripture. Um, what I, it says here, and the first two verses is, is, is actually New Testament. If you, interpret, you must interpret it into New Testament, but it's written in Old Testament language. What it's actually saying is, seek the Lord while He's near. So God, it's, the Bible says in, um, clearly in Acts 17 that God is not far from any one of us. He's come close to every person, every human being. How did God come close? By taking away the wall of separation, which was the law and the commandments and the sins of man. He took it all out of the way. And in such a way, He came close to every man. I always use an analogy where you take two people on the crusade field. I like to use this. Um, you know, one guy stands here and the other guy stands here. They're very close to each other, but they both, fa- both face that, that way. And then the one in the back, that's God. Ben, come here, let's do it. Okay, right. <clears throat> Say Ben, Ben represents the human, human race, right? You face that way, okay? And there was a separation between God and man, which was the law and commandments. And this separated man from God's quality of life. It separated man from peace and joy and all those kind of things. Separated man. There was a separation. But then God removed it and God came close to every man. Okay? But this guy, he doesn't see God. He sees God's nowhere. But God came close. That's why the Bible says, repent, turn in your thought. Okay? Think differently. Because if he can turn, he can see how close God really is. In thought. Because it's, it's a mind thing, it's a belief. Thank you, Ben. So, God has come close. It says, see God while He's close. Okay? Don't try and seek a God that's far. He's close. So, know this, that He's close to us. It says, and then it says how we seek Him. This is how we seek Him. Let the wicked forsake His way. So, the wicked is the guy whose way is wrong. Now, we might think the way that's wrong is, is um, drinking, smoking, and uh, partying all day. That's the wrong way. No, no, that's not what it talks about here. Jesus came and said that He is the way. So there is a way that seems to be unto life, but the end is death. And then there is a way which is unto life, which is Jesus. So the wicked is the person who seeks righteousness outside of Christ as the way. So let the wicked forsake his way. The next part there says, and the unrighteous his thought. So, what, what is it that, that separates people from God? It is the way on which they walk, wherein they try to see God, 
which is works righteousness, which is I, I, I am what I do, and all those kind of things that I've been spoke, speaking about so many times. Or it can also be your thought, your wrong thought. You don't believe the right thing. You don't believe what God believes. This is what he says. He says, and he will, uh, uh, and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. And let them return unto me. Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The, the, the last part of verse 7 says, If you come to me, I will have mercy on him. So what does it mean? It says, I want you to get rid of your wrong thought and receive my mercy. I want you to get rid of your wrong way, for I want to be merciful to you. Because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So I'm not going to adapt to your thought. Because my thoughts are higher than your thought. I've got a better thought than you. Your thoughts are thoughts of condemnation. Your thoughts are thoughts of punishment. But my thoughts are thoughts of mercy. So let the wicked forsake this way, wherein he always tells himself he must be punished. He must work to get. That God's not pleased with him. Let the unrighteous, this is unrighteousness, not to think what God thinks. And God's thoughts are thoughts of mercy. Okay, that's what he says here. Mercy to pardon. And I will, he says, come to me for, he says, he says, come to me and I will have mercy upon him for God will abundantly pardon. So come to me because my thoughts are thoughts of abundantly pardoning your sins. Now we know in Jesus Christ He has abundantly pardoned all people's sin. So we can now come and think with Him and experience the abundance of sins being pardoned. And we can forsake the way of condemnation. The way of I don't qualify. The way of I'm not good enough. Amen. We can forsake that way and receive the higher thought. So the higher thought is the thought of innocence. That's the higher life. <laughs> it's the higher thought. It's God's thought. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So that is God's way of saying that I am not adapting to your way of thinking. Because my way of thinking is forever elevated above the thinking of man. And he's not saying that we cannot know what he thinks. He does not say that we will never know his thought. What he is saying is, I want to make known my, I make known my thought, and I want you to think my thoughts, for my thoughts is a higher way of thinking. That's what he's saying. We've always been thinking, you know, we can never know what God thinks, because God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We don't know, you know, we serve this, serve this mysterious God. Even, you know, even, even with certain doctrines in church, and, and I'm saying this basically just for the, for the internet um, church that's watching. Um, and I want to say this via the internet as well. You know, I know there are many people watching this. And when I say something about a certain doctrine, the number one view is not to try and convince the people of the other doctrine to try and believe what I believe. If that happens, that's good. But there's a church out there that believes the truth, and, we, and I'm a shepherd, and I want to see them in a safe place. And like Paul, he would say, watch out for this, watch out for this, watch out for this. So I'm not in a fight with anybody. 
I'm just protecting the sheep. Amen. That's it. So, <laughs> hallelujah. That, that, that's what I feel in my heart. So, you know, so many times we start to, we can think, you know, God is so mysterious that He's going to, you know, what He's going to do in the earth is so big, nobody knows <laughs> what He's going to do, you know. And that is almost, that is what Satan said to Adam. He says, he says, Adam, did God say you should not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He says, to Eve, he says, yes, we should not even touch it. He says, listen, God knows, man. And the day you eat thereof, you'll be like God on the basis of... So what was he actually saying? He was saying, listen, there's actually something much bigger in this that you know nothing about. He's hiding something. And that make, opens your heart for any rubbish. If you can believe that, you're in trouble. God, the Bible clearly says that God showed us what was going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And I can tell you now, God showed us clearly in the scripture. Jesus said it how many times? Jesus came, took away the sin of the world. Then the gospel will be preached. There will be people who believe this good news and there will be people who reject this good news. Then Jesus is going to come back. Okay? Then those that did not, will, did not believe will be taken away and those who did believe will be glorified and forever we will live with Him like that. There's nothing so big that nobody knows. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just to prove it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. How can we be seated with Him, have fellowship with Him, and then we know nothing about what He wants to do? Jesus says, I call you my friends for everything I've I know I've declared unto you. Friendship cannot be defined in hiding something. Friendship is defined in revealing, opening your heart. And that's what God has done for us. So we don't sit with this mysterious God. You know, the moment there's this mystery that you don't know what's going to happen, you live in fear. Mystery equals fear. But you, you want to know everything. It's like, imagine there's, there's a part of Eliana that she says, oh, this is too big for you to understand. I'm not going to tell you about this. Huh? Ish. Yeah. It will make me an investigator, you know? And always with, what is she hiding? Because if she says she's good and she reveals this and she doesn't want to reveal the other side, what's it? I will not be able to trust completely. It will be difficult to believe because there's something there that's not right. I want to know everything. And that's what Jesus said. He comes and He calls us friends for He showed us the Father. There's no mystery about this thing. 1 Corinthians 2. Let me see if I can find the verse. Um, it says in verse 9, But as it's written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of a man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. For God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So he says here, there was, a, there was something written uh, uh, in the Old Testament that says, what a man cannot think of. 
What a man, that has never come up in the heart of a man. That is what God has prepared before him. But the Holy Spirit has now come and revealed it to us. That's the next verse. But has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. What has He revealed? These thoughts and the things that He's seen that man could never think of. Man could never think of God as merciful. Man could never think out of his own power as a God that will pardon freely, that puts no demand, no obligation, nothing, a a platform of absolute equality. You know, between me and Eliana, or between you and, and your friend or wife or whatever, you cannot have a good relationship on the basis of um, uh, knowing your duty. Knowing what you must do. I must do this, she must do this. That's, that's already a platform of guilt. It's like we said in the car, they've got this point, uh, Annette read it to us, the point system between a husband and a wife. You know, so if the husband does something good, plus two points. If he does something bad, minus two or five, depending on what he does. If she asks you, do I look overweight? Just a question, minus five. (laughs) If you take too long to answer, minus ten. If you ask, where are you fat? Minus twenty. If you say yes, they said minus 8,000. You know, so there's, there's, in the moment there's that, you know, oh my goodness, the point system. Yeah, what was the other one? The cat, yeah. If there's something out, if there's a noise at night and he stands, gets up to go and see what it is, plus five. If it's nothing, zero. Okay, just get back in bed again. Zero. If it was something, plus ten. If he took an iron and he beat the thing, plus 30. If it was the cat, minus 50. You see, the point system cannot work. In no relationship is is this obligation platform of guilt and duty. When there's no platform of guilt and duty but equality, we will find each one will be himself and the right thing will be done. I'm talking about our relationship between us and God. That's how it works. So in, that's the platform from where we know each other. We can't hide. We, we know. Uh, God in the Trinity wants to be known. And He wants to know. That's how He is. You know, when, when He made, between the Father and the Son, there's, there's nothing that they're hiding between each other. It's open. Right. And this is the thoughts. Verse 10, it it says, But he shall reveal them unto us by his Spirit. These wonderful things that man could never think of. For what man man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Holy Spirit. So, what was in God, nobody knew, only the Holy Spirit. Now, we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So what could never come up in the, in the mind of man? What man could never think of, the higher thought, God, what, which was only in the heart of God, that nobody knew, only the very Spirit of God. He came, took away our sins, qualified us to receive His Spirit, so that He could give us His Holy Spirit, so that we can know what we freely received in Christ. So God's thoughts are only thoughts to give things to you freely. So let the wicked forsake his way. 
Now it's not for free. I think I said it last, I don't know if I said it last Sunday here, but if you take the, the, the parable about the, um, the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan went on the road, and, uh, oh, I mean, the, 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 the man went on the road and fell, and the Good Samaritan came and helped him. The priest couldn't help him, neither could the Levite help him. So the law system couldn't help him. But here came somebody that had mercy and helped him, put him on his own animal, took him to an inn, a herberg, okay? Paid there two silver coins, which was the, the money that was paid for the freedom of an Israelite, okay? Paid for him. And then said, if there's anything else that needs to be paid, you know, when I come again, I'll pay it. Why did he say that? So that the innkeeper can never put pressure and guilt <laughs> on the person to pay for medicine. Glory to God. But what happens today? You must pay for your healing. You must pay for your peace. You must pay for your kids. It's a tithe. It's a this. It's a money. It's a so, so, and God will bless you. And all the kind of, I mean, the innkeepers, it's as if the, 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 the two coins wasn't enough for complete redemption for the person that he can be healed in what God provided in Christ. There's something else he must pay. And God left, forget about the innkeeper. Think about the, the man that was, was there in the inn. Surely, the Good Samaritan told him and said to him, listen, You pay nothing. Everything is taken care of. The communication between the innkeeper and and, and the Good Samaritan was between the innkeeper and the Good Samaritan. The only word, I believe, that the man knew was, I don't have to pay. I can relax until this man returns. I can have my complete healing free from obligation. It is a gift. Amen. That's how He gives it to us. In the very same way, the Holy Spirit has come to reveal to us what we have freely received in Christ. Amen. We have not received the spirit of fear. Amen. But of power, love, and a sound mind. So, He comes to give us the Spirit so that we can know what we have freely received. For knowing what we have freely received is power. It is love. It is soundness of mind. You're not walking with soundness of mind as long as what you feel indebted to God. There's something wrong with your mind. Repent of your wicked thought. Amen. Now we're going to read on. It's going to be beautiful. It says, For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and returns not back, but it waters the earth, And makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. So, that verse there, what it tries to say is, if rain comes, you don't find the rain falls and goes back, and you look at the ground, nothing happened. No, no. (laughs) The rain produces you know, we were driving here, when we drive here, we come partij van die koring land, it's beautiful, you know. So now we drive, we drive and we see in the summer, it's just dust. Then you see the rain. And you know, okay, the rain was there, but they seed in the ground. When we come next week, or two weeks later, when we come to church again, you see the plants as big. Because it's impossible for rain to fall on ground and not produce something. 
There is a seed in the ground. It's going to produce. Amen. So this is what it says. It says, My word will not return to me void. I liken it unto rain. As sure as what rain will fall on the ground and something is going to grow from it, that's how sure my word will bring forth something. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherein I send it. And now it explains why he sent it. To accomplish what? What must it accomplish? It will accomplish something. It will bring forth something. Why? For you will go out with joy. So, I send my word. My word will fall on the ground. And my word will not return to me void. For you'll be happy. So why was the word there? To make you happy. Amen. My word will not return to me void. For you will go out with joy. The rain will come and the rain will not return void for it shall produce. It will bring forth the seed that was sown. So in the same way, the purpose of God's rain, the purpose of God's thoughts towards us, the purpose of God's word, my word towards you will not return void for I will see people that are happy. So what was the purpose of the word? What was the purpose of the rain? The purpose of the rain of God's word is to bring joy in your heart. Amen. And be led forth with peace. You shall go out with great joy. Remember when Jesus was born? uh, um, There was great joy in the heavens. Okay? And then it says you will be led forth with peace. What is peace? Peace is the emotion of not being indebted. So my word will not return void to me, for my word will produce joy in people and the emotion of not being indebted. And the mountains and the hills... What was this mountain? All these laws, you know, that was before us. That was like this big mountain I could never get over. It takes a lot of effort to go over a mountain. Yesterday we were cycling up this mountain. My goodness, that thing is so steep. It feels like the law to go over that thing. It's hard work. In the same way, all the hard work in our life gets taken out of the way. By what? By Jesus' word. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. Okay? And all the trees, talking about people and other nations, looking at us, will clap their hands. Looking at Jesus and His Word and what He's done in us, will clap their hands. Well, this is wonderful as we evangelize and spread this gospel. Amen. So, this is, this, this, I want you to know this. It goes on. Let's read the next verse quickly there. It says, Instead of the thorn, remember, thorns and thistles came forth because of the law, the curse, that which brings pain to you, and that even it will bring pain to you, and in that pain, you know, like if you take a thorn, and you walk in it, you know, you know, or you see it in your shoe. You walk there in the bush. You come, you see it in your shoe, you that's wrong. Shouldn't do that. So even through pain, that thing gets planted in other places to bring forth more pain. That curse is taken from us by the Word of God. Amen. We don't have to walk in that. And this is the word of knowing that you have received everything for free. Now, it talks about a covenant here. I'm going to just see where, where was it at the end? 
talks about the everlasting sign here, but in the beginning of chapter 35, it talks about the covenant that he will make, talking about the sure mercies of David that he will make with us. So the covenant that God will make with us, if you go and look at Isaiah 54, and, and I want to just uh, talk about the word a little bit here. The word that he gave to us is a covenant. Amen. It's a covenant. It's not just something said. He's explaining his covenant. He's explaining how he unifies himself with man. This covenant is the sure mercies of David. He was merciful. If you go and read the life of David, he was a, a shepherd boy and he became a king. Okay? And he was assigned to all the people of what God will do to us. Amen. He will take us from a nothing and put us and sit us, seat us with Him in heavenly places. And this covenant, He says, this covenant that I, that, that I will make with you. Let's just read it there in verse, um, verse 10 of chapter four, 54, the previous chapter, uh, 10. It says, For the mountains and the hills shall, de- shall be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, neither shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord that has mercy on you. So God says, my way is higher than your way. I want to have mercy. You want to punish, but I want to have mercy. My goodness. We always thought God wants to punish. No, 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 sin punishes. God wants to deliver you from sin. The punishment for, uh, uh, you must realize this, the punishment for sin, not believing in Jesus, is death. Because sin will kill you. Then God said, let me prepare a body that sin can go and kill, so that sin has got no demand on man anymore. So that whosoever wants to have my quality of life can have it. Amen. It says, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord that has mercy on you. This covenant is as the waters of Noah unto me. For, I have, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you or rebuke you. In the Afrikaans it says that I will not be angry with you or threaten you. I want to tell you we've got a covenant where there's a God that doesn't threaten us. He doesn't threaten you. He loves you. And the wonderful thing about this message, this is not our pastor preached on mercy this Sunday and next week he's going to preach on obligation. No, no, no. This is the gospel. It is the only message there is. Hallelujah. You are the God kind. And let me explain this. I want to end off with this. You are the God kind. And we relate to God as Jesus relates to the Father. And let's not be uncomfortable with our design. The way a human being is designed is to have what he believes in to be formed in him. That's how we are designed. That's how God functions. When God believes in man, I mean he made a man, okay, man sinned, but God still believed in man. He believed that man is good. He believed that man can, is like him. He, he saw man's value. What happened to God? He became a man. What you believe in is what you become. Have you ever thought of it that way? God believed so much in man that what he believed in became him. Because that's the dynamics of our design. We become what we believe. 
Now there are people that say you don't have to believe in God. Like the one guy says, no, he said to me, Bertie, I don't believe there's a devil. He says, I don't believe there's a hell. He says, I also don't believe anymore in the return of Christ. So like, you don't believe there's a devil or a hell or the return of Christ. Why can't we just take the, the thing completely and say there is no Christ and there is no God? Because we have been so bombarded with the word faith in a negative sense that we don't want to believe where it's part of our design. You believe anyway all day in something. You believe, you can say, I believe in nothing. But you're still believing. You're just believing in the nothing. <laughs> or you believe there is no God. But every person believes and what he believes is formed in him. In the very same way, that's our design. So when we hear these things and we find the pricking in our heart, let's believe in this and you'll find who He is is formed in you. It's impossible to be saved. The word saved also means to be kept safe. It's impossible to be kept safe from the law system and its death outside of faith. Believing this truth. This is the truth. This is the gospel of Jesus. That's our design. The only way you can be like God is by believing in God. And the only way you could believe in God is for God to bring a word, a word to you that is believable. Amen. Not unbelievable, but believable, which you can believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this. If you are not for treating... Uh, if you are not for being treated better than you deserve, it will be very difficult to have a relationship with God. Very difficult, because that's who He is. If you are not for being loved, doesn't matter what you've done, God's not your guy. God's not your guy. He's, it's it's going to be hell for you. Because He wants to be good to you. He wants to show His mercy all the time. He wants to reveal His higher thought all the time. Because His higher thought of mercy will produce joy in you. And it will make you being led forth with peace. Hallelujah. Your sins has been forgiven. 2,000 years ago. The only sin there can ever be is not to believe that your sins are forgiven. And there was no sacrifice for that sin. That's what the Bible says. There's no sacrifice for the sin of rejecting Jesus. There's nothing that can sacrifice that because you are a free will agent. If you don't want it, you can't have it. It's like the one person said to me, no, no, God's, God's will, let's end off with this. God's will is sovereign. So if He wants something, it shall happen. Okay? So, and God will not allow something if it's not in his, in his will. Okay, now what about the baby that gets raped? See, that's a question now. Or, you know, you don't have a choice. God decides for you. My, my goodness, you know. I wrote there, I asked her a question. I say, do you decide for your daughter who she must marry? This woman refuses to answer the question. I asked five or six times. She just writes something else, but will not answer that question. Because we don't want to force our kids because our design tells us free will is the best way. Where that person chooses to partake 
in something. In the same way, that's how the gospel works. This good news is there. It is the truth. But you've got the freedom to either believe it or not believe it. And even as I preach now, and people uh, that hear me over the web for the first time in their life, as they hear it, they feel in their heart the conviction that says, this is the truth. The old way doesn't make sense. God is a merciful God. Mercy leads to repentance. Uh, Love brings forth what is good. And all those things start to make sense in your spirit. It makes sense. But you can walk away and say, like I've seen many people do, they're happy for a season, two, three days. And then, well, let's leave it. You know, let's go back to the old way. Or like many that I've seen that believe it, and you see the wonderful fruit of God manifesting effortlessly in their lives. You guys are the blessed of God, man. God doesn't, there's not an attitude in the throne room where God still feels there's three things that He needs to deal with you because He's upset. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But He's revealed His thought. So let's think His thoughts. What is His thought? Everything we have freely received in Christ. If you think other things than that concerning your relationship with God, you are walking the wrong way. You are thinking the wrong thought. There's a word for you. Repent. Change your mind about what God thinks about you. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. You know, the, yesterday uh, we had that um, meeting with the, uh, with the leaders um, at a mission station, remember? Last week, Saturday. And so I met the guy that's the head of it, you know, in the spar, or in the pick and pay yesterday. Man, you can just see his face is shining, you know, with this gospel on him. He's so happy. He says, man, I'm so blessed with this word, you know. So it's awesome to see the word, not returning void, bringing forth joy and peace. Amen. Amen. Right. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are such a good God. You love us. You care for us. Lord, that scripture comes to my mind in Matthew 8.17 where you healed the sick and said, this was to fulfill the prophecy that says he carried our sickness and bore our diseases. You did that in Matthew 8.17 before the cross. You healed the people because then already were you carrying our sickness and our disease. And on the cross, the sickness and the disease even died. So that we today can be healed. That we today can have peace. That we today can have joy. I think of how eagerly you wanted to declare health to people. Freedom from sin. Freedom from bondage. How eagerly you believed in man. To the point that you became a man. So that we can become like God. By simply accepting that man became like God in Christ. What a gospel. Thank you that you empower us to preach this gospel all over the world. And thank you Lord that from this small congregation, millions of people will still hear the gospel all over the world in different languages in different places. It will just spread like a wildfire. As it's busy, it will just burn down the whole place. 
It will burn down all wicked thoughts. It will burn away all wicked ways. And the thought of God will be made known to man so that we can think with you. Thank you that we can think with you, believe, receive. Hallelujah. That people can get saved in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Even in this wonderful gospel plan, you didn't come and bully us into it. You took away sin and come. you come with this gospel and present it to us. For you honor us in your likeness so that we can choose to be part, a partaker of your thought. What an honor. What an honor. We love you, O oh Lord. And maybe there's somebody that's never received Jesus. You know, maybe you're watching on the internet today or you're in the, in the church here. You've never received Jesus. You've received rules and regulations, but never received Jesus. The Bible says that we must be born again. And the way we must be born again to experience God's kingdom, we must have a life not born from rules and regulations, but a life born from God's thought. So the way we do that is by accepting Him as our Lord. So I want to pray this prayer. If there's anybody even here or on the web that wants to pray this prayer, I want you to pray it with me. And um, I'm just going to lead you in this prayer. You can just pray these words from the depth of your heart. You can say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sin. There's nothing separating us. I accept what you've done. You are my Lord. I receive the Holy Spirit. As from today, I will discover all your thoughts. I will discover what I freely received in Christ. My old life has passed away. I make use of your life as my life. Today, I am born from God and not born from the old works righteousness system of hard works, guilt and condemnation. Everything that I've been addicted to in my past life, I'm set free from. For there is no more condemnation to substance abuse. There's no more condemnation to manipulation and control. I am a new man. And Christ rises in me right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Right, there's going to be some coffee and tea there. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for coming. If anybody needs a prayer, I would love to pray for you. If anybody needs healing in your body, I'd like to pray for you. Amen. God bless.